up. Go ahead and open it up. This is part two of a series uh, we started last Sunday called A Church Like That. Now, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll see the birth of the church, how it started, uh, what it looked like, the things that they did. And when you, you look at it and you see that the miracles and the healings and the awesome things that took place in the church were not done solely by the apostles and the disciples. They were actually done by the congregants, the saints, the followers of Christ. Um, you know, when you begin to look at that and how the church was growing, how the church was thriving, you can't help but to back up and say, this is the kind of church I want to be a part of. And, and this was the, the cry of my heart several months ago. And, and starting in November, we began to see healings and miracles. And our church started growing at a faster rate than it already was. But there is so much that each individual has in, in the form of responsibility in order for our church to be the kind of church that we read about in the Bible. Um, the first thing is, is to recognize that when we walk into this place, according to Psalms 26, verse 8, where it says, I love the sanctuary of the Lord because it's where his presence dwells. The presence of God dwells in this place. Now watch this. Um, there's a, a hotel in Galveston. I think it's called the Hotel Galvez. And uh, I was checking in there, this was several years ago, and I w as I was checking in, um, I decided to make a little joke uh, to the person behind the counter. And I said, hey, I heard there's a ghost that stays in one of the rooms in this hotel. Um, don't put me in that room. <laughs> and she's like, no, that room, that room is on floor four. You are going to be in room on floor nine. I said, excuse me? She's like, yeah, there's a, there's a ghost that lives in that room. Now, for those of you that grew up in the Houston area, raise your hand if you've ever heard of that in your, li in your life. Raise it real high, real high, real high, real high. Don't put it down. Everybody turn around and look around, look around, look around. So you don't think I'm crazy. This is like common knowledge to a Houstonian that supposedly there is a a a devil of some sort that lives in this particular room. Now, I don't know if there's one really there or not really there, but I can guarantee you this, I'm not going to find out. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Because watch this, if you or I were to sleep there one night, the minute you walk into the room, you would be like, You'd sleep with the lights on, laying there with a flashlight, because somebody told you that there's a devil in the room. There's an expectancy when you walk into that room. I am telling you, as a matter of a fact, according to the Bible, that God's presence is in this room. Don't you think there should be some type of level of expectancy? 
Don't, don't you think so? And, and here's the thing. I, what's happened over the years and over the generations is that our level of expectancy has seemed to have dropped. And this is when there has to be some people. And, and there's been so many in this church that have been doing this. They were saying, no, 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 no. I want to expect and experience what's in the Bible. And because of that, we have men. Put your hands together for that. I prayed for two people this morning. Uh, one of them got healed. One of them didn't. Uh, it's 50%. It used to be a day where it was like 0%. Pray for 50 people and nobody gets healed. In the last three months, like 150 some odd people have been healed in this church. There's something special. Now, we probably prayed for 400. Not everybody gets healed. Not everybody gets healed, but 150 in three months is more than the previous two years put together. I was talking with somebody the other day and, and they go out of church out of town. I said, when was the last time you saw a healing? It's like when I was 13, there was this lady in our church. I was 13! See, we, get, we, we, you and I, we can't put up with that. There has to be a hunger, a level of expectation. A part of us in Mark 16, it says that these signs shall follow those who believe. We got to say, okay, where's, where's the bridge here? Where's the bridge? And we pray and we give ourselves no rest. Until we figure it out. This is the kind of attitude, kind of grit, kind of tenacity that we have to have. Because I don't know about you. I am not interested in showing up hearing three songs and then listening to a preacher tell two poems and a story and walk out. I am interested in being in the presence of God, experiencing the presence of God, having an expectation for the presence of God. Because here's the deal. If you have an addiction, I don't have anything to help you. If your marriage is falling apart, I cannot help you. If God doesn't show up and move in your life, nothing happens. In Ezekiel 36, 26, it says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will remove the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Frankie can't do that. A, a singer can't do that. An usher can't do that. Even the one holding juice, they can't do that. Jesus doesn't show up, then it doesn't happen. I don't know about you, but I want to be in a church where hard hearts are coming out, soft hearts are going in. I want to come in in Zechariah 4, 6 and say, God, you see my problem. You see my problem. And it's not by might nor by strength, but by your spirit. I need you to move. Am I talking to anybody? I love this crowd. You guys are the loudest singing crowd of the three. They all sing out. They all clap. They all yell back to me. But you guys are at a whole different level of loud. I love you guys. But there's three things that all of us, every single one of us, have got to adopt. There's three things that we have to stay dedicated to. The first thing is dedicated to prayer. You know, it's interesting because... Your destiny, your assignment is revealed in the darkness. Your destiny is revealed in the darkness. What does that mean? 
what God has assigned you to do, you will discover only in prayer. Jesus was standing in front of his disciples and he says, who are people saying that I am? And one person said this, people are saying this, and people are saying this, and people are saying this. And he goes, who do you say that I am? And then Peter said, you're the son of God. And he looked at him and he goes, hey, only, only the Father in heaven could have revealed that to you. He was spending time with God and God began to whisper something to him that nobody else knew. See, it's in prayer, the frustration that you have spiritually, and I just feel in my heart that some of you guys are so frustrated. You love God. You love Him so much. You'll do anything, but he, he, you just can't find the cadence. You can't find the rhythm on what God wants you to do. I want to tell you, it's discover, discovered in prayer. And if we could ever begin to understand and realize the promises that He has made us, if we pray, we would never stop praying. We would never. That's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he goes, don't ever stop. Don't ever stop because there's so many promises. Let me tell you a few of them. In James chapter 4, verse 8, he says this. If you come close to me, I will, I will come close to you. You draw close to me, I draw close to you. You shut the door in your bedroom and raise your hands, I'm going to be there. You, sh you throw the cell phone underneath the seat of your car and turn off the radio, I'm going to be sitting right there. You draw close to me, I'm going to draw close to you. You show up to church, I'm standing right there. You step forward, I step forward. You raise your hands, I extend my hands. That's James 4.8. He made that promise. If you lick your finger and turn the page of the Bible in James 5.16, he says this, the effectual, fervent prayer. When you pray fervently, I'm not saying, Lord Jesus, I love you. No, when you say, I love you, I love you, I love you. When you pray fervently, he goes, oh, it weighs a lot. You know, there's some people in our life that give us their opinion, and we're like, thank you. <laughs> and then there's other people who give us their opinion, and we're like, now say that again. See, some people carry weight in our life, and some people we could care less. Jesus says this, when you pray fervently, it weighs a lot. Think about that. The creator of the world, when you speak, it weighs a lot when you pray fervently. That's James 4.8. That's James 5.16. Let's keep going. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he says this, Those who pursue me, I am going to reward you. I'm going to reward you. Now, the human tendency is to go, reward, well, what exactly is it going to be? Is it going to be money? Is it going to be a girl? Are you going to have my boss leave the company for me? <laughs> what, what exactly? And because we don't know what the reward is, we don't pursue it. That's like me looking at Caleb saying, Caleb, I, I was at the mall. I saw something had your name all over it. I bought it. You got to come over. You're going to love it. Well, what is it? Well, I'm not going to tell you what it is. 
Just come over. I'll give it to you. Well, I'm not going to come over. Like, why should I be excited if I don't know what it is? Look, just come over. See, because we don't know what the reward is, we're less excited. But think about what we're saying. The creator of the universe is saying, I will reward you. If you seek me, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward you. Jeremiah 29, 13. Says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I was in my office in, in the room uh, yesterday preparing this message. And I, while I was praying, I said that scripture. I said, your word says that I will find you if I search for you with my whole heart. And then I was really honest. I said, how do you, I search for you with my whole heart? How do I do that? I'm going to just do the very, very, very best I can right now. God, I love you. I'm searching for you. I love you. If this isn't how you want to be searched, then tell me. Teach me another way because I want to find you. And this is passion with everything inside of you. He goes, oh, you're going to find me. Think about what I'm telling you. Think about what I'm telling you. The creator of the world is saying, you are going to find me. And then in Jeremiah 33.3, he says, you're going to call to me, and I will hear you, and I will tell you things that you don't know. There's so many things I don't know that I wish I did know. I don't know how to respond in this situation, how to respond in that situation. How would you... Well, I'm going to whisper it to you. I'm going to whisper it to you. Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me. Those who seek me, you're going to find me. Listen to this promise after promise after promise after promise. He's saying, just make some time for me. Make some time for me. Because if you make some time for me, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. In the New Living Translation in Luke chapter 11, verse 10, I, this scripture sounds familiar, but listen to it in the New Living Translation. It says, everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who seeks will find. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open unto you. You might be sitting there and say, you don't know how filthy my mouth is. You don't know how, how, you don't know how evil I am. Look, I didn't write the Bible. I'm just quoting the Bible. It didn't say everyone except for jerks. It didn't say everyone unless you have a problem. It didn't say everyone unless you have an addiction. It doesn't say everyone unless you have a perfect, unless you don't have a perfect marriage. It says everyone. If you're breathing, he was talking to you. If you ask, you will find. If you seek, you will be answered. If you knock on the door. There has to be a relentlessness in your spirit. I have a friend of mine comes over the house from time to time, and I always know it's him. I don't even have to, 
have one of those fancy cameras to look on my phone to see it. I know it's him. I know it's him. Because he rings the doorbell, takes a breath, rings it again, takes a breath, rings it again. (laughs) And all the way to the door, I'm thinking about opening the door and choking him. Ding, 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 ding. I've been taking a nap before and he's doing ding, ding, ding. And I'm thinking thoughts about him that are so mean. You have no idea. I'm thinking, why are you dinging? And I, I, there's, I'm telling you, there's one person in this world I cannot ignore and that's him. Ding, ding, ding. Do you know knock is Relentless. Asking. It's, it's a continuum. Ask, search, knock. Ask, search, knock. Ask, search, knock. Ask, search, knock. Look, the spiritual journey is not for the faint of heart. If you're looking for a genie to rub a bottle, a one-armed bandit, Jesus is not the one for you. Now, for people that back up and say, God, this is a journey. I'm going to live with you. I'm going to talk with you. And every morning, Psalms 5-3, every morning I wake up, I'll lay the pieces of my life on the altar and I'll be back at it again. Come on, put your hands together for that. I'll be back at it again. There's got to be... Church... Let me say it this way. Of all games, religion is the one most played. We show up, we walk out. We show up, went twice a month, thank you very much, that's my fire insurance. If he comes, I'll be in. Look, there's got to be a remnant. There's got to be a remnant somewhere. There's got to be some people somewhere. Uh, grit. I was praying yesterday. I'm getting all over the place, but that's what happens in the third service. I was praying yesterday and I was thinking about these fortune tellers. I was thinking about these, these demonic people. And I was closing my eyes and I said, God, you've got to raise some people up that are the real deal. That are the real deal. You got to do it. 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 There has to be a holy anger. A holy anger. A holy anger. Moses looked at false prophets, demonic prophets, and said, you do your thing and let's see what my God does. They threw down their staff. They had magic. They were evil. They threw their staff down. It turned into a snake. The devil has power. Moses backed up and he threw his staff down and it ate their snake. So there's got to be enough people that'll go searching for a burning bush. There's people that'll go back up the mountain a second time. There's people that'll keep on gritting, keep on grinding, keep on praying, keep on gritting. Number two. Better hurry up. Spent too much time on number one. (laughs) We're dedicated to prayer. We're dedicated as an instrument. An instrument. Everybody say instrument. Real loud on three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Kick it up. One, two, three. 
Let's read this scripture together real loud. One, two, three. Do not let any part. If I want to build the frame of a house, I need this instrument. I need this instrument. I, I do not need this instrument. Got to put something in mind that I want to build. I need this one. Now, if I'm going to put together something for my children after the day after Christmas, like a play set, I don't need this. I need this. What I have in mind. I need tools to accomplish. I need instruments to build it. If you look at this scripture, it says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. So when Satan wants to create an evil setting, an evil moment, he needs to use an instrument on your body to create it. He'll use your hands. He'll use your eyes. He'll use your ears. Your, your body is an instrument. Your, your hands. Your eyes. See, see, the eyes are the windows to the soul. He wants you to look at things that will get inside of your soul. He wants you to listen to things that get into your mind and seep into your soul. If you look at the six things that the Lord hates and the seven that he detests, it's a proud look. It's that look on someone's face where Satan says, I need to use your face because I'm going to start a fight in this house. Let me use your face, a proud look, a lying tongue. Let me borrow your tongue. Let me borrow your tongue for a minute. Feet that run quickly to evil. Let me borrow your feet. Hands that shed innocent blood. Oh, where have these hands been? These instruments. Hell needs instruments. He needs a tongue. He needs eyes. He needs hands. He needs feet. He needs an attitude. That's what it's saying right there. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument. Don't let it be an instrument. But see, you're an instrument. It just depends on whose instrument you are. Look at the very bottom. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. There has to be some part of you that says, Satan, you had me fooled for a little while. You were using me as an instrument for a little while. Those days are over. Look what it says. I once was dead, but now I have a new life. I have a new life. My whole body is an instrument. Job 31.1 says, I will make a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at any young woman. My eyes are an instrument. My tongue. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth except for what gives grace to the hear. My tongue. Oh, it's an instrument, all right, but it's not yours. It's yours. Put something in my mouth. 
put it in my mouth. But just give me a word. One word. I'll take one word. Not even a whole sentence. Just give me one word for somebody. When people look in my eyes, let them see the love of God in my eyes. When I shake their hands, God, let your hand be underneath my skin. Oh, when I sing, let it be an instrument. Let it be an instrument. My whole body is an instrument. If I live to be 87 years old, if I live to be 97 years old, if I live to be 61 years old, however long I live, I want this whole body right here, right here. Let it be an instrument. An instrument. Every day, the Lord looked at Saul and he said, He's my instrument. You're an instrument. You can come into your house and project and let Satan use your attitude and create an ambiance. You back up and say, you know, no, 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 I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I'm an instrument. And sometimes you don't know the tune to play, so you got to get up early and practice. Because your destiny is discovered in the darkness. You get up early and say, all right, you got to show me how to play that tune. You see, a tune is interesting. Watch this. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride. That's a tune. Some people know the words, but they don't know the tune. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open. Hey, that's not right. I'm saying the right words. There's a tune. There's a cadence. There's a rhythm. You don't learn that tune. You don't learn that cadence unless you get alone. Let me learn that. Let me learn it. Let me learn it. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Number three. See, number one is dedicated to prayer. Number two is a dedicated instrument. Number three is dedicated in our service. The most critical need in the church today is an unwavering worker a worker Jesus said this the harvest is great pray for workers an unwavering worker this is what I'm here to do this is what I'm here to do where you work is just part of your assignment but this is what I'm here to do I'm here to work for you I'm here to serve you use me God Use me, God. Now, there's a big gap between wanting to be used and actually being used because we don't know how to do it. There's a gap there. So let me just bridge the gap. The gap is your testimony. Whatever the newest testimony is, tell somebody that testimony and you will find God begins to use you immediately. I'll give you an example. If you're driving down the car and you're worshiping, and it's just awesome, you're worshiping. When you begin to talk to somebody, you say, man, I was in my car and I started worshiping. It was amazing. And you start telling them about it. What will happen is God will supernaturally transfer. It's like an impartation. will put a hose into your heart and a hose into their heart. It'll go right into it. You'll be, oh, I, couldn't, I can't even explain it. If you just went six months in rehab because of, a, because of an addiction and you get out, you've got this relationship with God, that's your testimony. You want to be used by God, but use, th there's a gap there. Here's your testimony. 
man, I just got out of six months rehab. When I went in, I was like this, but now I can't even explain it. Your testimony. I went through a divorce and almost died. I don't know how I'm standing here right now. But I am. I don't understand it. It's like a peace that it passes understanding. The minute you tell your testimony, the other person will pipe up and begin to listen and you will transfer. You will impart your own passion. You can say I was in church. This bald headed Italian started speaking. It was so cool. You will transfer that. See, spirits reproduce spirits. Parents know that. We look at our kids and we say, don't hang out with that kid. Why? Because spirits reproduce spirits. You hang out with that kid, you're going to be like him. Here's the thing. Your spirit, your passion, you get around somebody, you start talking, guess what? Bang, bang. It jumps on them. God begins to use you. And when it's their turn to talk, you begin to walk them through. God needs workers. He needs workers. Will somebody tell your story? Tell your story. Please tell your story. Don't chicken out and just put it on Facebook. Include Facebook, but find somebody in the flesh and blood to tell them your story. Because when you tell them your story, now you're a dedicated worker. And if you've been a dedicated person in prayer, you're a dedicated instrument now you're a dedicated worker. Everything else in life just begins to fall to the wayside. There's an old song. It says, when I look into your face, something like this, everything else becomes strangely dim. The important things in your life that keep you up and stress you out will become strangely dim when you look into his face. In a minute, I'm going to ask everyone to stand to their feet, but not yet. When we stand to our feet, I think that there were some people in this room that when I was talking about every part of your body being an instrument, something came to your mind. Maybe it's your mouth. Maybe it's your hands. Maybe it's your heart, your spirit, your mind, your countenance. Well, you know that Satan's been messing with that and using it as a tool. I want you to stand up in a minute. I want you to raise your hands. And I want you to give him that and say, it's yours now, God. It's all yours now. Not everybody's going to stand up and raise their hands because it's not for everybody in this room. But some of you in this room, something came to your mind. Maybe it's your words, maybe it's your tongue, maybe it's your attitude, maybe it's your, I don't know what it is. It's not my business, it's not anyone else's business, but you have an opportunity to shift the hands from one person to another, from one spirit to another, and say, it's, I'm yours, God. Would you stand to your feet for me, please? And if I'm talking to you, just raise your hands right where you're at, and just begin to give it to them. And what I want you to do is I want you to whisper I want you to whisper to him and tell him, I'm giving you my thoughts. I'm giving you my heart. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's bringing to your mind, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. 
And after you're done saying exactly what it is that you're giving it to him, I just want a cascade of I love you's to come out of your mouth. Don't just stand there with your hands in the air. It's your words. It's the instrument of your mouth that he wants. Just say, I love you, I love you over and over again. It's a beautiful sound. He hears more than your words. He's hearing your whole echo of your heart. You might just be saying the same words over and over again, but the echo of your heart is saying so much more. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you.